Chapter 19 of Roughing It. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Roughing It by Mark Twain. Chapter 19. On the morning of the sixteenth day out from St. Joseph, we arrived at the entrance of Rocky Canyon, two hundred and fifty miles from Salt Lake. It was along in this wild country somewhere, and far from any habitation of white men except the stage stations, that we came across the wretchedest type of mankind I have ever seen up to this writing. I refer to the Goshute Indians. From what we could see, and all we could learn, they are very considerably inferior to even the despised Digger Indians of California, inferior to all races of savages on our continent, inferior to even the Terra del Fuegans inferior to the Hottentots, and actually inferior in some respects to the Kitschies of Africa. Indeed, I have been obliged to look the bulky volumes of Wood's uncivilized races of men clear through in order to find a savage tribe degraded enough to take rank with the Goshutes. I find but one people fairly open to that shameful verdict. It is the Bojesmen, or Bushmen, of South Africa. Such of the Goshutes, as we saw, Along the road, and hanging about the stations, were small, lean, scrawny creatures, in complexion a dull black like the ordinary American negro, their faces and hands bearing dirt which they had been hoarding and accumulating for months, years, and even generations, according to the age of the proprietor, a silent, sneaking, treacherous-looking race, taking note of everything, covertly, like all the other noble red men that we do not read about and betraying no sign in their countenances, indolent, everlastingly patient and tireless, like all other Indians, prideless beggars, for if the beggar instinct were left out of an Indian he would not go any more than a clock without a pendulum, hungry, always hungry, and yet never refusing anything that a hog would eat, though often eating what a hog would decline, hunters, but having no higher ambition than to kill and eat jackass rabbits, crickets, and grasshoppers, and embezzle carrion from the buzzards and coyotes. Savages who, when asked if they have the common Indian belief in a great spirit, show a something which almost amounts to emotion, thinking whiskey is referred to. A thin, scattering race of almost naked black children, these Goshutes are, who produce nothing at all, and have no villages, and no gatherings together into strictly defined tribal communities a people whose only shelter is a rag cast on a bush to keep off a portion of the snow, and yet who inhabit one of the most rocky, wintry, repulsive wastes that our country or any other can exhibit. The Bushmen, and our Goshutes, are manifestly descended from the self-same gorilla or kangaroo or Norway rat, whichever animal Adam the Darwinians trace them to. One would as soon expect the rabbits to fight as the Goshutes, and yet they used to live off the offal and refuse of the stations a few months, and then come some dark night when no mischief was expected, and burn down the buildings and kill the men from ambush as they rushed out. And once in the night they attacked the stagecoach when a district judge of Nevada Territory was the only passenger, and with their first volley of arrows and a bullet or two, they riddled the stage curtains, wounded a horse or two, and mortally wounded the driver. The latter was full of pluck, and so was his passenger, 
At the driver's call, Judge Mott swung himself out, clambered to the box, and seized the reins of the team, and away they plunged, through the racing mob of skeletons, and under a hurtling storm of missiles. The stricken driver had sunk down on the boot as soon as he was wounded, but had held on to the reins, and said he would manage to keep hold of them until relieved. And, after they were taken from his relaxing grasp, he lay with his head between Judge Mott's feet, and tranquilly gave directions about the road. He said he believed he could live till the miscreants were outrun and left behind, and that if he managed that, the main difficulty would be at an end, and then, if the judge drove so and so, giving directions about bad places in the road and general course, he would reach the next station without trouble. The judge distanced the enemy, and at last rattled up to the station, and knew that the night's perils were done. But there was no comrade in arms for him to rejoice with, for the soldierly driver was dead. Let us forget that we have been saying harsh things about the overland drivers now. The disgust which the Goshutes gave me, a disciple of Cooper and a worshipper of the Red Man, even of the scholarly savages in the last of the Mohicans who are fittingly associated with backwoodsmen who divide each sentence into two equal parts, one part critically grammatical, refined, and choice of language, and the other part just such an attempt to talk like a hunter or mountaineer, as a Broadway clerk might make after eating an edition of Emerson Bennett's works, and studying frontier life at the Bowery Theatre a couple of weeks. I say that the nausea which the Goshutes gave me, an Indian worshipper, set me to examining authorities, to see if perchance I had been overestimating the red man while viewing him through the mellow moonshine of romance. The revelations that came were disenchanting. It was curious to see how quickly the paint and tinsel fell away from him, and left him treacherous, filthy, and repulsive, and how quickly the evidences accumulated that wherever one finds an Indian tribe he has only found Goshutes more or less modified by circumstances and surroundings, but Goshutes after all. They deserve pity, poor creatures, and they can have mine at this distance. Nearer by they never get anybody's. There is an impression abroad that the Baltimore and Washington Railroad Company, and many of its employees, are Goshutes, but it is an error. There is only a plausible resemblance, which, while it is apt enough to mislead the ignorant, cannot deceive parties who have contemplated both tribes. But seriously, it was not only poor wit, but very wrong to start the report referred to above, for, however innocent the motive may have been, the necessary effect was to injure the reputation of a class who have had a hard enough time of it in the pitiless deserts of the Rocky Mountains. Heaven knows! If we cannot find it in our hearts to give those poor naked creatures our Christian sympathy and compassion, in God's name let us at least not throw mud at them. End of chapter 19